Okay, I'm pulling out of my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, special treat today, guys. So, um, my father is in town, and he needs my car. So he's going to drive me to work today, or I'm driving him to work, so he can have the car. Which means, special guest star, my dad. Say hi. Hi there. So, that's my dad, Gene Rosewater. Uh, and so I want to talk about a couple things. First off is, I'm a gamer, specifically, because my dad is a gamer. And I think one of the neat things about Magic Turning 20 right now is that we're hitting a, a neat generational shift, where the people that started playing Magic now have kids that are old enough that they're teaching them to play Magic. And I have people writing to me all the time talking about how, you know, how can they teach their kids to play. So I thought it'd be neat to sort of explore how I got into gaming by looking at my dad. So talk a little bit about how you got into gaming. Uh, gaming for me was a natural thing. It was something that I did when I was a kid. It was something that I did uh, in my family. And uh, it would never have occurred to me not to be a gamer. Uh, I love gaming. It's just part of my life. And ha and always has been, even as a young child. Uh, maybe going back to the days of Clue, uh, probably eight years old. <laughs> so one of the things that was very interesting was... Um, we got a computer very, very early. So let's talk about that. When, when did you, when, what was your first computer? I got an Apple II uh, in 1978. Uh, that was back when the Apple uh, didn't have a hard drive, as a matter of fact. Didn't, didn't, didn't have, have disks yet, right? Didn't even have a disk. <laughs> we uh, would uh, save stuff on a cassette tape and load it back in from the cassette tape. Uh, no, no memory at all to speak of. Right, so this is, so those youngins out there. So basically, when we wanted to play a game on the computer, we got a cassette tape. I don't even know if you know what a cassette tape is, but uh, it's what you used to listen to music on. And you would put it in a, a player, and you would play it, and then for like three or four minutes, it would go and make this noise. And then at the end of it, you could play a tiny text game. Yeah, and most of the time, you had to do it two or three times because it would get fouled up somewhere along the line. And, and remember, when you first bought your first computer... To get an extra, was it 64K? Initially, I think I had 16K. And I sort of waited because at that point, to get the next 16K was $500. So, by the way, once again, we're talking K. Not, not M, not gig, not terabytes. K. That's a thousand for you out there who, who might not know. Um, so anyway, growing up, we... So we had the, we had a computer early, earlier than all my friends. Like everybody thought it was a, this weird thing that'd come over and see our computer. We also had the very first, or one of the very very earliest um, uh, gaming systems for our TV called the Odyssey. Do you remember this? Sure. Okay, explain explain how do you remember how the Odyssey worked. Well, the, yeah, the Odyssey was made by Motorola, I believe, and uh, basically it was one game. It played Pong, and when it played Pong. What we did was we had a uh, plastic overlay. We'd put it over the screen, and then there would be simply a dot that, that and two paddles, and we would play. Uh, that would be on the screen, but nothing else was there. Whatever we wanted to have to play on, what playing field we had, was the overlay. Right, so you take a piece of plastic, and you would tape it on top of the TV. And there were other games, because pretty much you had a carrot, a little square you can move around. Uh, and so they had games in which everything was, was taped to the screen, and you would move little, little you know, squares around the screen. Um, so anyway, I got in. One of the things is my dad got me into gaming like very young, and, I, and a lot of things that would go on to be 
um, very sort of established things, we got in on the ground floor. Um, I also remember, someone else remembers my dad, is he and I would go to the, uh, to the, cats, uh, the arcade to play video games. Because um, at the time, when I was young, um, back in the, uh, in the 80s, that um, arcade, if you wanted to play video games, you went to the arcade. Uh, I mean, like I said, I think we had, a, we had the Atari 2600 for a while, which was a little, little better than the uh, Odyssey, but it was, it was one of the most simplest early versions of, of at-home consoles, but they were very, very simplistic, and that if you wanted anything more advanced, you had to go to the arcade. Um, and I remember, remember your favorite game? I remember your fa- what was your favorite My game? My favorite game clearly was Battlezone. Yes. And I actually got pretty good at it, although I probably wasn't that good, but I thought I was. So Battlezone, for some of my younger uh, audience, uh, was a first-person shooter. Uh, you were in a tank, I think? It was in a tank, and um, I had, there were two handles that I would hold on to, and each one would would uh, activate the wheels or, or treads on each side, so they can go forward, they can go back, and then you could make one go forward, one go back to turn around, and uh, we'd be shooting at things, and they'd be shooting at me, and, and er- no er- color, right? All, it was all green. Everything was outlined. So every object, it was just a geometric shape, essentially, that was outlined in green. And so, you know, the planes or the whatever other things were attacking you, they, there was no real detail to them. Um, but it was a fun game. It was a really fun game. I liked it. <laughs> okay, so one of the things that... that um, so growing up, my dad introduced me to a lot of different games. Um, and, in fact, one of my favorite games that my dad introduced me to was Diplomacy. Do you remember teaching me diplomacy? Yeah, well, diplomacy was um, something that actually I learned from my then brother-in-law. And uh, it was a game of, um, let's see, how do you explain it? It's a unique, it was sort of a unique game. Uh, it was a game of territory, and you could invade territory, and everybody would set up their their turn, and then everybody would sort of uh, tell what their turn was going to be at the same time, and we would have to figure out how everything would interact. So the, ga- the idea of the game was, of course, was to capture the world, and it, it was on a European map. Right. It was, I think it was pre between World War One and World War Two, and the idea of the game, it's very simple, is there's seven countries, each country is played by a person. And on your turn, you make moves. But that's not the beauty of the game. The beauty of the game is um, what you do is very dependent upon other people. So in between each turn, you go around and you talk to everybody and you try to convince everybody that you're their friend, basically. Um, it's a game of diplomacy. And the game is... Whenever I played with people... In fact, in college, there's a great story where my dad taught this to me. I love the game. But the game is all about... At some point, you have to betray somebody and stab them in the back to win this game because the game's all about making, you know, seeming very friendly until you betray people to win. Um, and so I said to my friends, I said, okay, this is what the game is, but it's just a game. If someone betrays you, it's not personal. The, you know, the game's all about, you know, uh, having alliances in this. But you know, please, don't take it personal. And, uh, like, we were, I'm playing with my friends. got a bunch of friends in college. We used to play games. Uh, and I stabbed my friend in the back to win the game. He didn't talk to me for five weeks. <laughs> uh, but anyway, a, a, a wonderful game that has for a mix, by the way. If you want to go play Diplomacy, it's fun. So let's, let's get to Magic, since well, this is well, a magic show. The ultimate on that was, yeah. uh, when I learned the game from my brother-in-law at the time, um, he did leave out one rule 
which was, you're allowed to lie. So the first game we played, he was telling everybody lies and everything. And we, of course, were believing him because he was teaching us the game. So obviously he won. But after the first game, I understood a little bit more about diplomacy. (laughs) Yeah, the game does teach you about the act of diplomacy, I think. Okay, so let's get to magic, since this is a magic podcast. Um, so I have told the story of me discovering magic from my viewpoint multiple times. But I would like to tell the story of me getting to magic from your viewpoint as, as, as my dad. How, what, what is your memory of how I got into magic? Well, of course, I knew that you went to a game show. You saw magic. I probably talked to you within maybe the same day or the next day, and you were just euphoric about this new game that you'd seen, you'd sent to me, this is the game of the future, uh, I really have to get involved in this game, and um, and so because you thought it was so great, I, I believed it, as a matter of fact, at that point, probably you were more uh, involved in games than I was, and so uh, you were becoming my game mentor at that point. So, yeah, so what happened was, I went up to visit my dad, and um, so... To refresh everyone's memory, I bought some. Uh, I went to a convention. Alpha was out. I bought, I think, a starter and two boosters or three boosters. Uh, and then I realized I liked the game. So when beta came out, I knew that if I wanted my friends to play, I had to get it for them because I knew beta was going to sell out in a day. So I bought a whole bunch. I, I bought like two boxes of boosters and two boxes of starters. Starters, by the way, for those that have no idea what I'm talking about, when Magic first began, you could buy um, 60 cards in a box. That's how you're supposed to start the game. And then they had boosters that you pl- you pl- bought additionally. We don't do starters anymore, but at the time, they did. Um, and so I bought a whole bunch, and then I went to visit my dad, and I brought him um, some magic packs. So what do, you, what do you remember of me bringing you magic? Um, I don't remember how much it was. It was certainly enough for me to make a deck, or a couple of decks. And I started learning magic. But, of course, the main thing that I learned is before Mark left and went back home, he said he wanted to trade with me. So he picked out... Uh, all the cards he wanted, and of course, I knew he was going to play Magic a lot more than me, so I didn't have any problem with that. And it wasn't for a long time until I realized that he took my Emerald Box. <laughs> he took my... Wait, 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 let me defend my Mox Emerald. So here's what happened is, my dad opens up a Mox Emerald. I never, I never seen a Mox Emerald. And at the time, I didn't understand it. I'm like, isn't this a forest? Why wouldn't I just play a forest? I didn't, it took me a while to understand why it was good. Um, but I hadn't ever seen it. I didn't own it. And at the time, I had two fungusaurs, and so I traded my dad a fungusaur for the Mox Emerald. Swear, now I swear to God, I thought I was being nice. I thought I was doing, because fungusaur was awesome. Every time it took damage, it got bigger. That, I understood, was really good. Um, and so I made this trade, and it wasn't, I wasn't trying to, like, rip off my dad. I honestly God, thought I was making a very fair trade. In fact, I thought it was in his benefit, because I didn't get why Mox Emerald was good, and I knew the fungusaur was awesome. So, um... And, and what did you... <laughs> And what did you trade me for the Black Lotus? Now, the Black Lotus, so what happened is I got my dad into Magic, and many years later, I don't know, four or five years later, my dad is not playing much because he, he didn't live in a place where he had a lot of people to play with. And so I'm visiting one day, and my dad says to me, he goes, look, if you want to take any cards, feel free to take cards. So I look for his collection, and he's got a Black Lotus. Like, are you sure? He goes, yeah, yeah, whatever you want to take. So I took his Black Lotus. It's so. okay. <laughs> but he's a good dad, so... Um, okay, so, okay, what, now what's your memory of me starting to work for Wizards? Um, I, I pretty much know the story. I mean, I, I know that it started with your 
uh, just wanting to get involved, and I know you talk to people, uh, and my memory was that you talked to people uh, at Wizards, and there were four or five different people who said, sure, I want you to come work for me. It all started when you uh, started doing the puzzles, the, the puzzles in the Duelist. Yeah. And uh, everybody was really... Uh, Loved them. The people at Wizards loved them, but also the people who were reading Duelists loved them. It became the, the premier uh, piece uh, in, in Duelist, and uh, I think that was your your uh, inroads into getting a job at Wizard is the fact that you could do that, you could create it, and uh, you uh, convinced them that it was good, and it was. So here's here's my memory is so. I, my, my plan my, when I graduated college was I was going to go to Los Angeles and write for television. That was my plan. Uh, and I, like I said, obviously people know I, I, I did a little of that. Um, but this opportunity came up where I could work for Wizards, where I was freelancing for them. I said to them one day when I was up in Seattle, I'd be willing to move to Seattle. Or I thought, I thought I'd be willing to move to Seattle. And they're like, well, if you want to move here, we, we'll give you a job. And so I was very torn about, do I pursue what I had planned to do, or do I make this deviation and do this different job that I thought I would enjoy, but it really was a giant change for what I thought my life was going to be. So I called up my parents. My parents um, were separated, so I called them individually, and I asked each of them about what they think I should do. And so I called up my mom, and my mom was, was not sure. She's like, oh, I don't know. You spent a lot of time and energy trying to do what you're doing. You know, you've had some success. Maybe you want to stick to it. Maybe this isn't the right play. And I call my dad, and I say, you know, I'm thinking of going to become a game, you know, work, work at a game company. And you said, that's awesome. You should do that. <laughs> uh, so that, my, my parents had, I mean, my, my mom eventually got on board. But, I mean, she was, she was much more skeptical. Where, where you were, the second I, I proposed the idea, you thought it was an awesome idea. So, you, do you remember that? I really don't, actually. <laughs> uh, I don't remember saying that, but uh, I could understand my, myself feeling that way absolutely um so so let's go a little bit um so now um i mean you play you you i know you play magic on and off because you, you kind of live somewhere where you don't have a lot to play uh, i know you played on magic online a little bit for i got real involved in magic online for a while and um, then after a while um, it lost some of its luster because of the dynamics of what happens online and uh, I still have a lot of cards, a lot of virtual cards online, but I don't play that often anymore. Oh, oh but, but here's an interesting story. Uh, my nephew, my, I have one sister um, who's a year younger than me, named Elise, uh, and Elise has a younger, has, has a son named Josh, and he's my nephew. And Josh, uh, recently, about, about, I don't know, uh, six months ago, nine months ago, yeah. got really, really into magic. Um, and I, I, I know you had a chance to play with Josh. Um, what happened was he he had some older friends who gave him a, a, a deck, which was really a killer deck. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so most of my cardboard cards mm -hmm. uh, were old. I I uh, went all all the way into virtual, and so I had old decks, and I went to play with Jock, and he just beat me up because <laughs> he had some really good he had one good current deck and but we played and uh, he got started and he's he's going gangbusters now he's, he's really understands the game yeah because i talked about but we started about the generational shift i mean josh in my mind is that's the next generation 
Um, like my kids, I've introduced to the game. None of them have really sort of taken it up. I mean, they all know how to play, and I played with all of them. Uh, but none of them, like Josh, has definitely, you know, got the bug, and he's very excited, and he's playing in F and M's. And in fact, my sister just called. He's like, he wants to learn about what PTQs are and like where Grand Prix are. So it's fun. He's really getting into it. Um, so, let me ask you this, which is, um, do you have any good stories of, I know my, my mom has some of these stories, of meeting, of people finding out that you're my dad, in, in, in interacting with magic people? Uh, well, the, actually, the one that comes to mind first is, oh, I, six, eight years ago, uh, took a trip to Italy, and we were in Italy, and we wanted to get online to do uh, some email. And we went into a little store, and I turn around, and there's a magic poster on the wall. Uh, and so I'm, I'm hooking up for this to, to go on the Internet, and I'm talking to the guy that runs the store, and he's a magic enthusiast. As a matter of fact, he's jumping off the wall when I tell him that Mark <laughs> is my son, because he knows. As a matter of fact, he uh, gave me a card, and he wanted me to autograph the card, as Mark's father. <laughs> and um, so it was like overseas uh, notoriety, and this guy refused to take any money for the internet. He was like, <laughs> I was a celebrity in his store because Mark was my son. Yeah, so one of the stories is funny. Um, I, I don't have my mom on the show, so I'll, I'll tell my story for my mom. So one of the things my mom enjoys is she has no end of... She loves when she meets magic players telling them that she's my mother because uh, they always get really excited and she, and she loves to do... I know you don't do that as much, but, but my mom gets a real kick out of it and I figure she's my mom, so we'll give her that, that she gets, uh, she gets to be proud of me. So, But uh, it, it is fun. Like I said, uh, I, I get to be a big fish in a little pond. So, uh, in, the, in that little tiny world, I get to be a celebrity. So I, I think, I think my, my mom enjoys that quite a bit. Um, okay, so um, what... Um, what is your favorite magic set? Well, I, I know you're old, old time, so yeah. Um, probably most of the cards or most of the decks that I would really talk about right now are so old that people don't even remember where they came from. Well, I mean, I, I've um, I, I've done shows on on you know I just did a show Mirage, so I, I go back there. Yeah. yeah. So, well, what, what set really speaks to you? What's Actually, it that? when you say Mirage, I thought Mirage Vision was a great, great expansion. Mm -hmm. uh, probably one of my favorites. Um, that was a deck that, uh, that was uh, an expansion that I really enjoyed. Um, but, you know, I played back in the days of Ice Age and Tempest and, mm -hmm. and even before. My first cards were Mark's first cards, so it was unlimited. Yeah, I know, they were beta. Yeah. yeah, your first cards were beta. It's a beta, you know, and and certainly Aladdin and Legends and some of the early, early stuff. Um, but I lived in an area that was, there weren't a whole lot of magic players around. I had a good friend who I did introduce to magic, and uh, we would actually play a lot with each other, and we'd actually go to conventions once in a while. Um, so I really don't couldn't even tell you exactly what I was playing with back then, um, but I ended up with a lot of cards because uh, I live in, I live up in uh, at Lake Tahoe. It's a nice place to visit. Yep, it and, is. And uh, on three or four occasions, <laughs> Mark would bring the entire uh, uh, R&D uh, team up to my house, and they would come up. If it was wintertime, they would ski, but they would spend a week 
and they would sequester themselves, and they would be working on a, on a new expansion, and they'd bring thousands of cards with them. <laughs> And uh, and when they would leave, they just leave them all there. So I generated a, a lot of cards uh, back in the day when they were coming to my house, and that happened three or four times. Yeah, so my dad is talking about the, the big one is uh, invasion. Uh, I would say that the core of invasion design was done in my dad's house. Um, and then one time, by the way, we had a trip where so many people went to visit my dad from R&D that we realized if the plane crashed it would have decimated magic like everybody everybody you could imagine was on the plane I, I think Jim Lynn was the only person that wasn't on that plane like magic would be in the hands of one person if, if something had happened so um, here's not, not something people might find interesting so um, in the player I have a thing called player graphics where I talk about the, the kind of players people are um, and you are what's known as a Johnny do you know what a Johnny is? absolutely I'm a Johnny um, so my dad loves fiddling with decks. So explain what you enjoy when you play. Um, I like to do uh, a deck that sets up with a combination of cards and to get it to set up so that once it's there, I'm pretty much in control of the deck, of the, of the game. Um, it probably happens one out of four <laughs> times, maybe one out of five times. So I lose a lot. And that's okay, except if I'm playing that online, what happens is, as soon as I get my deck set up, the person on the other end usually quits, so I never get a chance to see it go to the end, and that was a frustration for me, playing online. If I'm playing with somebody across the table, at least they have the, the courtesy, or whatever you want to call it, of waiting until I, I see my deck do what it can do. Yeah, so it's fun. Uh, one of the things I've always enjoyed with my dad is sometimes I'll talk to him about combos, and, and, and I'll say, have you ever seen this combo? He goes, oh, that's pretty good. And uh, I remember one time I told you about, um, was it? Uh, did you play with Mirrodin? Did you play? Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, so I, I think I told you about the Isocrine Scepter Final Fortune combo. Is that the one you built the deck around? Um, oh, with, with, right, with the Angel. I think you did this. Where... Um, the Platinum Angel keeps you from losing the game and Final Fortune uh, uh, lets you get an extra turn but you lose next turn so what you do is you put a Final Fortune in Isocron Scepter and then you get an Angel out and then you stick it in the turns I think you built that deck I don't remember <laughs> that particular deck but I, I remember that I yeah, remember the that the Scepter deck. was killer people did yeah. not like to play against the Scepter they yeah. disappear I, the story I remember you telling me is um, how you're playing somebody and they put out an Isocron Scepter and then you clone it you copy it and then they quit the game because you had an Isocron Scepter, but you just copied their Scepter. Of course, yes. <laughs> so, um, so we're, we're, we're getting close to work. Um, is there anything, any, I'm going to give you a chance to sort of, any story about me and Magic that you might think is a fun story to tell people that we haven't talked about? Do you have any uh, good? Uh, we've, we've touched on an awful lot of stuff. Um, I, you know, nothing is really coming up for me as like, oh, a fun Mark story. I mean, I I do have, by the way, you know, he said that his, his mother, Mark said that his mother likes to say, oh, my son is Mark Rosewater. Um, I like doing that. I don't get a lot of opportunity to do that. And usually if I just meet someone who plays Magic, I don't jump in there. But if, they're, if I find that they're really, you know, really dyed-in-the-wool core magic people, I will throw out Mark's name because usually they know him, and that's like, that's cool. You know, that's my son. 
Yeah, no, that's... I, I, uh, like I said, because people always ask me that about my mom. They, does it bug me that my mom does that? I'm like, no, she raised me. She, she earned it. She earned it. And any, any, uh, that's my son's thing she wants to do. Fair game. Same with you. So, uh, and like I said, one of the things that I really... I, I took is that I, I do think my love of gaming directly tied... Because um, something else about my dad is he, he's, he, you're very playful... And that even even outside the context of games specifically, my dad was somebody who always would sort of take things and turn them into games, you know. That, uh, like I remember on Halloween, um, you know, we'd come home with our bag of candy and my dad would blindfold us and he'd cut up candy and try to make us guess, you know, which candy was which thing. Now, I later learned that was your way to eat my candy, but I did have fun doing it. Once I had the blindfold on, <laughs> you know, I could do whatever I wanted, right. But one of the things that growing up that I always loved was that you always found ways to, you know, to turn things into games. Also, something else that you taught me is the idea that just because a game has rules doesn't mean that you can't change the rules. That if you don't like the game, you know, change the rules. Make the game what you want the game to be. I think I have enhanced many games just by tweaking the rules. I don't know about changing them, but tweaking them. Make a little bit of a change, and um, as long as everybody knows the rules... um, it works better. You know, most of the games I play um, have been tweaked. Yeah. yeah and, and, I, and I have a wonderful partner who loves to play, and, and the two of us, she she is a great gamer, and uh, we we are always looking at how to change the games. Yeah, and, and one of the things that is neat, I mean, philosophically, one of the things that st- steered me toward game design in general is... I love having the mindset that games aren't this locked thing, that, that, that games, that you, the game player, have some say in how you play the game. And that one of the things, I mean, one of the reasons I love magic is magic is, in some level, it's a series of tools and a series of rules to allow you to play. But magic is super, super flexible, that if you want to play, you have a lot of means and ways to affect how you're playing. You know, and that, that's something that you, the game player, have control of. And that's something that magic does really well. Um, because I meet a lot of Magic players, but many, many of them are playing very different games, you know, and that playing Draft or playing Commander or playing, you know, Emperor or, or playing, I mean, there's a 101 ways to play Magic or 1,001 ways to play Magic. Um, and I think that that entire mindset of games being this flexible thing rather than being a locked thing I got from you and that, you know, I definitely remember growing up, you were like, yeah, that, that's a dumb rule. Let's change that rule. And something else, and I think that I had, I think I had some influence here, actually, with both you and Elise. But um, my philosophy, sort of, of life, at least about about where you would go in life, was simply this: find something you love to do, and get someone to pay you to do it. <laughs> yeah. So here you were, you were a game player, you loved playing games, and you went out and you found a way to get someone to pay you to play games exactly what I espouse to. Right, and, that, and that's what I called. I see, the reason I think you were so excited is like, here's what I want to do. I want to go make games for a living. You're like, that sounds awesome. You should do that. Right. Um, yeah, in fact, I wrote a, I wrote a, I did a speech at Rachel's uh, career day about finding your dream job and then I wrote an article about it. Uh-huh. Maybe one day I'll do a podcast on that. But in it, I talked about the three things, you hit upon two of them. The three things of a dream job is it has to be something you're good at, something you enjoy, and something someone will pay you for. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and game design, luckily, it, it, I, I hit all three of those, so, um, but, like I, like I said, I, I, I owe a lot of gratitude for you, I'm very thankful for, for all, 
all you did to encourage me to play games, for encouraging me to, to get into games as a, as a career. Um, and, uh, and it's fun, because when my dad comes to town, we always play games. We, we usually play some Magic, but we also play lots of other games. And uh, it is neat. Uh, like people always ask me how much Magic I play outside of work, and the answer is not a lot, um, mostly because I have my family, and I, I just don't have a lot of spare time. Um, but when my dad visits, a lot of times I actually get to play Magic. Um, and it's fun because we'll always play whatever the latest thing is, and my dad is not as caught up as I am, so I always get a, a fresh set of eyes to sort of see what he thinks of the latest set. Um, so later this week, we're, uh, he has not played Return to Ravnica yet, or any of the block yet, so he'll get a chance to... Although you, play, you played original Ravnica, didn't you? Oh, the original, yeah. Yeah. I had that online. Um, so we're, we've returned this year, and so um, we'll get a chance to... Uh, to, uh, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm about to park my car. I don't need to park my car because my dad's taking my car. Um, anyway, so we are here at Wizards. Um, so it was fun talking with you. Um, obviously, I could spend the whole week with you, but it was it was fun having you on the show. And uh, like I said, I I try to make this podcast. I try to mix things up. And when I realized I had a chance to interview my dad, I thought that was awesome. So I hope you guys all enjoyed um, what I'll call Meet My Dad. <laughs> But anyway, it was a lot of fun. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me on. But now it's time to go make the magic.